Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Continue with our subject on healing. So we've been able to establish the source of sickness and we talked about the power of the atonement um, on Sunday. And I think that that's the foundation of understanding why you should live healed. Understanding that Christ had paid the price for you. And the price that, the price that Christ paid on the cross is a total price. Meaning that when Jesus said, it is finished. It actually is finished. Amen. I think one of the most important statements that you can ever hear in the gospel is when Jesus said, it is finished. You know, most people hear that statement and still do not understand it or do not believe it. But when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant what he said because he had fulfilled every single requirement of the law on our behalf. You see, we cannot serve God on our human strength. We can only serve God as we are energized by the grace of God. And that's very important, that we can only serve God as we are energized by what? The grace of God. So the Bible tells us that grace teaches us to deny ungodliness. And when it says grace teaches us to deny ungodliness, it's not like saying, uh, uh, you can interpret it that way, but saying that grace says this is wrong, this is not right, this is that. But actually what it means also is that grace empowers us to walk away from ungodliness. What that means is that grace does not only tell us this is wrong, it gives us actually the enablement to overcome it. You see, when we talk about the law and grace, you know, some of the mistake is this. What the law could only do is that the law could only point out to you what sin is. But the law did not have the power for you to overcome sin. But grace gives you that power. Grace gives you that enablement. So for the new man in Christ, sin, has, um, sin should not have dominion over you. You've got the power to be able to do what? To overcome sin. Amen. Then we talked about what Jesus did on the cross. So, because of what Jesus had done on the cross, we can actually walk in health. Now, I want, to, I want us to continue from where we stopped on Sunday. We talk about the fact that physical healing is closely associated in scriptures with spiritual deliverance or forgiveness of sin. Okay? So, most times when you read through scriptures, you see that when the, when the Bible is talking about healing, it actually also talks about forgiveness of sin. Why? Because forgiveness of sin is also... Um, the bedrock or the foundation for what? For healing. So let's go through some scriptures. Psalm 103, verse 3. Psalm 103, verse 3. Psalm 103, verse 3. Okay. Let's read from verse 1 and we can stop at verse 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. I want you to note the word benefits. 
who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. So you can see here, it talks about the forgiveness of sin and the healing of our disease. The forgiveness of sin and the healing of our disease. So both things are um, going together. The forgiveness of our sins and the healing of our diseases. Isaiah 33. Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 24. Isaiah 33:24. And the inhabitants will not say, I am sick. And the people who dwell in it will be forgiven their iniquity. Again, you see, it ties forgiveness to sickness. It ties the forgiveness of iniquity and the healing of the sick. Now, I I think I've explained that before, but I want to say it again. This is not saying that anybody who is sick is a sinner. That's very important. You must understand that. What I'm just trying to teach is that it is because of sin that sickness came into the human race. So, if God had forgiven us as sins, we can now stand on that basis of righteousness to receive our healing. Because the source of sickness entering humanity was as a result of sin. Is Is that fine? Okay. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3 to 5. Isaiah 53 and verse 3 to 5. Isaiah 53 verse 3 to 5. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. Smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgression. Note the following. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So you see, it talks about the forgiveness of sin, iniquity, transgression, and comes on to say, because of that, the stripes on his body, you are now healed. And we understand, and this is very important, that the stripes of Jesus were not on his spirit. The stripes of Jesus were not on his soul. The stripes of Jesus were on his physical body. And the stripes he took on his physical body is the guarantee for the healing of our physical body. Taking away the sin factor is the healing for what? For our spirits and our soul. Alright? Because sin is spiritual. But, but Jesus took certain things on his physical body, which are the stripes, the cane. That which he took on his physical body is what now guarantees that our own physical body should not be afflicted. Are you following what I'm saying? So I want you to see that our physical bodies are part of the total redemption of God's plan for our, for, for our lives. So we shouldn't say, you know, we're spiritually strong and all that, and we're just sickly and going sickly. No, 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 we have to stand against that. We have to advance against that. We decree that in Jesus' name we work in the perfection of health. Praise the name of the Lord. And we say Jesus are taking, uh, Jesus are taking uh, his stripes because of his stripes. And therefore we receive healing. So he cannot take your stripes for you and you're still taking the stripes physically. So you've got to be, um, I don't want to use the word, I think it's the right word to use. You have to be aggressive against sickness. You know, sometimes we treat sin in a certain way And we treat sickness in a certain way You know, we, we run away from sin So, oh, no, 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 I don't want sin, I don't want sin But when it's sickness, you know, it's okay, it's okay You manage it But it's the same, you should have the same approach 
Because the same price was paid. You know, in our mind, we tend to separate things a lot. You, are you following me? Don't be distracted by people coming in. Just pay attention. We separate things a lot. That means that, for instance, now that we're in church, oh, this is holy. Oh, holy, you know. And then we go to work on Monday. He say, ah, this is not church. This is business. Have you heard people make that statement? If you hear any believer make that statement, don't do anything with them. They can kill you. How can you say this is not church? This is business. What's church? The building? No, you are church. So your business is not a separate, you know, sometimes people come to me and say, how do you cope? You know, I say cope with what? How do you cope with ministry, with family, and with your own life? I said it's one life. There's nothing like ministry life, you know, and family life. and No, it's one life. The one life that does ministry, that does family, that does whatever I need to do. Once you have that separation in your mind, you will, act, you will be a, a hypocrite. Because then you will have a church life, you will have a family life, you will have a social life, you will have all, your life will be broken into several compartments. Everything you do is an art of worship. Even when you're playing football, it's an art of worship. You know, sometimes in camp, in camp meeting, the last day after two days of teaching, I say, let's play football. And I usually tell my leaders, I said, on this football pitch, you will now know who is actually born again. You know, we are in camp meeting, we have heard the word, we have rejoiced in the Holy Ghost, we have spoken in tongues, we have interpreted tongues. Now we just say, let's play a little for us to bond. You would see people, want, I remember last year, I had, to, we had to tell a guy, I had to call the guy. He was an upcoming leader, I said, come, come, sit down. He almost fought. You know, in his mind, this is football. Do, do you understand? You can't find patience on the pitch, you can't find gentleness, you can't find kindness, you can't find meekness. So that actually means that all what had been taking place in the last three days had not impacted his life. And that's where the struggle is. So you shouldn't separate your mind and say, well, God paid the price for my sin, but I can, uh, you know, I can manage sickness. No. The same atoning blood took care of sickness. The same atoning blood took care of your sin. Amen. Matthew chapter 4 verse 24. So we're looking at... We're looking at physical healing is closely related in scriptures with spiritual deliverance and forgiveness of sin. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 24. And I hope you understand now the sources of sickness. That's the foundational study. Matthew 4 verse 24. Okay. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick. People, all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon possessed. And uh, demon possessed epileptics, paralytics, and he did what? He healed them all. Okay. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. And I would like to pause here to say this. We are also observing an emergence of very dramatic deliverance ministries. The Bible never said we should interview demons. It said we should cast them out. Who are you? How many of you are you? When did you enter? You, no, 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 no. Where did you pass to enter? Okay, what have you done? What will you do? What were you planning to do? Where were you before you came? Are you, he didn't say interview them. He said cast them out. 
And you see, we get into that when we want to prove to people that we are anointed. And that in itself is a very wrong foundation for ministry. Any attempt to prove to any man that God had called you is a wrong attempt. You get into the flesh. There were certain times Jesus healed people and he called them and warned them and said, don't tell anybody that you're healed. But you know, we also teach people that if you are healed and you don't share the testimony, you lose your healing. And there's no foundation for that. The foundation they use for that is when he cleansed the lepers and says, where are the remaining nine? It was just talking about gratitude. Jesus never said they have lost their healing. He just said, go and behold. What Jesus was teaching us there was gratitude to God when we receive miracles. But he's not saying that if we do not testify, we will lose our healing. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So he cast them out with a word, not interview them. And healed all who were sick. Look at verse 17. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Remember we just read that. Saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That word sicknesses in the Greek is noesis. It means diseases. Which talks about all kinds of diseases. Matthew chapter 9. We're going scripture by scripture, verse by verse, line upon line. Matthew 9, 26. But when the crowd was put aside, Matthew 9, 26. Okay, let's um, quickly go to, okay, this was talking about when he restored the dead girl. I mean, there was some healing stuff. I want us to go somewhere else. Um, let's go to Mark. Let's quickly jump to Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Mark chapter 2 verse 1 to 12 He talked about a healing Almost like the healing ministry of Jesus And how he began to heal the sick And um, the power of God Just moving in his ministry Alright And it came to pass as he entered campaign After some days it was heard in the house You know people gathered The paralytic man was dropped Let's go to verse 5 When Jesus saw their faith He said to the paralytic Son your sins are forgiven he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemy like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit what they reasoned, tossed with it themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So you see, Jesus went there to the paralytic man and he says, your sins are forgiven. So when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, actually, he was also still saying the same thing as you are healed. You know, but the Pharisees say, no, no man can forgive sin. You know something, it's amazing how the Pharisees, they taught from the scripture every day, they read the scripture every day, and Jesus shows up and they never believed him. And you know the reason why? Jesus did not show up the way they were thinking he would show up. And so every day it was like, 
They were fighting Jesus. And Jesus said, which is easier to say. Your sins are forgiven or arise. Take. Okay, if that's what you want, arise, take off your bed and go. So I'm trying to li- link something here. That forgiveness of sin is also equal to healing. Because it was through the entrance of sin that sickness came into the mortal bodies of men. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, I want to run quickly because of time. I need to finish something here. There are a lot of scriptures you can write. Luke 5, 18. Acts chapter 5, verse 16. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. You can write all that. But I want us to go to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Now, I... uh, There are certain things you will find... Because sometimes... uh, People have issues with the book of James. And I want to explain something to you, especially when it regards the anointing oil. Now, James was the pastor of the Jerusalem church. And at the beginning of the Christian faith, you would still find the mixture of Judaism and Christianity. So that is why Paul had to confront Peter. Um, Yeah, Paul had to confront Peter because they were also insisting that certain people be circumcised. Now, what happens is that when people get born again, sometimes part of their culture gets into the Christian faith. But as you begin to mature, what happens is you begin to separate your culture from the Christian faith and begin to stay with the Word of God. I'll give you a typical example that is not related to sickness or whatever. In Africa... Um, um, women coming into ministry is a lot more difficult than in the western world because in the western world already in their mindset they don't have a problem with it okay but you know with the african culture there's this thing of you know the women are behind the man has to be in front and you see that that sometimes affects our own interpretation of scriptures even though the scripture clearly says that in the kingdom of god there's neither male nor female are you, are you following what I'm saying? You know, so that's why sometimes, I mean, I, I say it from a, from, from a pure heart. That's why sometimes I have challenges with um, when you say women conference. You know, because when you say women conference or men conference, then you talk about a woman conference and then you go to the, to the women conference and instead of teaching the word of God, you now start saying, women, it's your time to arise. It's your time to take over. Women is our time. Women is our time. Women is our time. And then what you're connoting is, you, you understand, it, that, it, I mean, I teach ladies gathering. I remember someone asked me, say, what do you go and teach women in women's gathering? I said, I teach the word of God. If it's the word of God, I should be able to teach it. A woman should be able to teach it because it's the word of God. Because I'm not going to use the word of God to teach something else. I'll just teach. See, whatever the Bible says is what it says. If, and if you can interpret the Bible correctly, you can teach anybody with it. So, that cultural understanding is also reflected in the book of James. So, you see, that's how James was talking about faith and works. Okay? Then it was only James, after the resurrection of Jesus, that actually refers to the anointing oil. Okay, so James chapter 5, verse 15. We'll go there now. James five fifteen. Let's read from verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him complain. Is that what he said? <laughs> Is anyone among you suffering? What should he do? Now I didn't hear you. Let him do what? Let him pray. So the first response. Pastor, I'm suffering. James chapter 5 verse 13. What should you do? You pray. That's the first response. Okay. Is, is anyone cheerful? Let him do what? 
Sing psalms. So this is not just for only choir members. Are you happy? Just keep singing. Is anyone sick among you? So when he asked the question, is anyone sick among you? He wasn't in his mind thinking that the whole church will be sick. Are you following what I'm saying? He's trying to say, is there anybody with this? Is there anybody with this? So it's, it's almost looking at sickness from a point of selected few. He wasn't looking at it like a normal thing. You know, some of us treat sickness normal. You go to some place and say, oh, why do you have this sickness? Ah, it's raining season. When rain starts falling, that's how my body starts moving this way. <laughs> I remember when we had our first son. And uh, some of our parents came, came along. And they said, well, ah, this boy, let's give him this medicine. Let's give him this medicine. I said, for what? He said, for teething. What's the issue with teething? He said, ah, when the child starts teething. This. And I said, listen, listen. How can you buy medicine for something that has not already happened? You're just creating expectation. I said, don't worry. He had his teeth and he didn't have any of those issues. You know, some of us expect sickness. Like we expect our children to be stubborn. Your child is not yet a teenager. You have bought psychology of teenagers. How to tame a rebellious teenager. You are preparing to tame. Say, so you know, this, that. What you believe in is, the, is psychology, not God's word. I mean, I had my own teenage issues here and there, but I know that some of those, maybe we are out of stubbornness and my strong will, but I mean, that God has changed that makes me to be able to plant churches. And if I wasn't strong willed, I'm not sure I'd be able to plant church. But my younger brother, he literally grew. From his young age till his adult stage now, married with two kids, and there was no teenage issue. And you know the reason why? When my parents had me, they had a little light. The difference between me and my younger brother is six years. By the time they had my brother, they had more light in God's word. So they spoke the word and stayed on the word, and my brother literally grew. There was no issue. So you cannot have the, kind of light, the, the same type of light you have right now. And you are already preparing for teenage to go and bail your child from prison. You have collected police number. No, you shouldn't do that. Regardless of what you read, let the word of God be final authority in your life. Regardless of what you are taught, let the word of God be what? The final authority. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Is not let him complain that they are not coming to visit me when I'm sick. The scriptural response is when you are sick, you call. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. But we stop there. But if you look at verse 15, it is very clear. And the prayer of faith. Not the anointing oil. The prayer of faith will save the sick. So what saves the sick? The prayer of faith. Now, now, now quickly look at it. And the Lord will raise him up. Look at the next line. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. You see there again. So it ties healing to forgiveness of sin. I'll say something about the anointing oil. Maybe you should listen to that series. I don't know if we still have it when I taught on the anointing. To them, and that's very important, cultural interpretation is very important. When, <laughs> when let, me, let me explain something about culture. Um, in, in 
like my wife is a girl, she's, she's from Kogi State. And so, preparation for a marriage, I needed to go and see. You know, all those visits they make all of us make. You know, like in the Western world, you can see somebody on the train and get married by the time the train stops. You know, but not here. We'll pass it through all those rudiments. So, part of, they were, there's a way they prepare their water, they put a little pap, you know, in it just to preserve it and something like that. And I don't take pap at all. You know, <laughs> so I'll go and, you know, they, they will serve you that stuff. And, you know, you are, I mean, part of the things you have to suffer for love's sake. You have to drink it and, you know, and they are, they are how is it? You are like, oh, no, you want more? No. <laughs> now, that's their culture. Now, if, for instance, if she is to write that and say, well, in my village, before you get married to me, you have to drink this, 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 okay? And um, we have to sit on the mat with two of my friends, you know, sitting with me. In our own place, it's not like that. Now, I might not really understand it, except you, part. now I'm telling you, now you feel you know, but you don't really know until you drink the water. Because that's their culture. Now, it's the same thing with the anointing oil. To the Jews, the anointing oil is not a bottle of oil you just put on your pulpit. No. When they're talking about the anointing oil, that's not what they're referring to. The anointing oil was actually part of their life. Because the olive oil, as recommended by God, was very medicinal. So it was actually a medicine that even the shepherds carried. And when they were grazing their sheep and they were too much fly, they actually rubbed oil on the body of the sheep. Are you following what I'm saying? So it was a medicinal, um, it's like when we talk about only today, it's something medicinal. So when he was talking about if you go and pray for the sick, anoint them with oil, he was also looking at it from a medicinal perspective. Is that okay? He wasn't saying, you know, carry the bottle. No, but you know, some people will anoint you and not even pray. While it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. Is that alright? Okay. So you see, James ties the, the prayer of faith and the, the forgiveness of sins together. Okay. So quickly, I want to look at, um, from, from Bible, let's look at some of the spiritual requirements that were necessary for healing. There's some of the spiritual requirements that were necessary for healing. And on Sunday, we'll, we'll talk about the different way Jesus ministered and how people received their healing. And the reason I want to talk about that is, sometimes in church, when we minister to people and they don't receive their healing immediately, sometimes it looks as if you're not powerful. No, that's not the truth. There are instances in scripture where Jesus ministered to people twice. And there are instances in scripture where the ministration was done and people got healed as they were going. They were not healed immediately. You see, that's why when we talk about the subject of healing, it's important that we study it um, contextually. You know, you must study it. If you study healing contextually, then you'll be at peace. Because some people ask a lot of questions. Why did you pray and I was not healed? Why? You know, there are so many questions. That if you study healing the way it should be studied from the scriptures... Um, you can understand it. Now let me explain something to you. Apostle to say this. The church was never designed, uh, let me not use the word was never, but let me put it this way. The best way to get, the, the, the best method to get the best teachings out of the church is to stay long on a subject. That means that even healing, you know, it's just that people get bored. But if not, a subject that healing was supposed to take it up to like three, four months. 
Meaning that, for instance, we can decide to study all the healing cases from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What happens is then you are rooted and you are grounded on the subject of healing to the point where you can actually begin to teach it. You know, I used to do that in my early days. I used to preach a new sermon every Sunday. You know, it's, you know and you know, say, wow, God gave me this rema. God gave me this rema. And sometimes what you call rema is just confused interpretation of scripture. Someone say, and when Jericho opened, say, God just told me, your Jericho is opening. What does that mean? Meaning what? You don't preach that way. And I'll pause here to say this. Well, I'm still on the first pause. <laughs> That's why orthodox preachers When I mean orthodox preachers Anglican reverend, Catholic priest uh, Baptist priest They actually have a very rigorous study Before they become preachers It is only in the Pentecostal circle That somebody will just come Meet you in the office and say Sir, he appeared to me yesterday night sir. He appeared, Jesus, our savior He said my name is Jesus I have called you to go what do you want me to say? Even me, after 10 years of ministry, he has not appeared to me. And he has appeared to you. And then you run and you're not properly trained. There are two ways to get into ministry. Either you're trained through the formal education or you are discipled into ministry. Meaning that you sit at the feet of someone and learn. And so you don't just jump up and say, you got Rema, you got Rema, you got Rema. No. If your Rema is not consistent with the written word, then it's wrong. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay, so let's unpause. How did people receive their healing? The first thing is, one must first have a desire to be healed. Matthew chapter 20, verse 30. You must have a desire to be healed. And the desire to be healed must come from the fact that you know that sickness is not of God. Matthew 20 verse 30. Matthew 20 verse 30 to 33. And two blind men sitting by the road when they heard that Jesus was passing by cried out saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that it should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, This is funny. What did Jesus tell them? What do you want me to do for you? But Jesus saw that they were blind. Can I take, uh, uh, No. Andrew Womack used to talk about the story of a lady who came to a uh, healing line. And she met, she, she met uh, Andrew Womack. And Andrew said, what, am I, what are we trusting God for? Or what are we praying about? And she said, well, I've got this pain. I've got this. I've got that. I've got this. But even only God can take away the pain in this area. You know, I can, I can manage the rest. <laughs> you know, and Andrew jokingly said, well, it, it, it's, it's looking like if God heals you completely, all the lights in heaven will go out because you would have drained so much power. And the truth of the matter is there are people who can live with certain sicknesses. It's not desire to be healed. You think everybody who is sick wants to be healed? Probably not. So Jesus asked them, what do you want? And he said, they then said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion, touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. 
Mark 10 46. It says, Now they came to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho with his disciples, I explained blind Matthias on Sunday, and a great multitude, blind Matthias, the son of Thomas, sat by the road begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And verse 49, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called him, they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good share, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, I, I explained on Sunday that this garment was the official begging certificate of the Jews. When you were blind and certified blind, they would give you a garment. So everybody that sees that garment knows that they have tested your blindness and you passed. So he threw the gap and he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you whole. So we see that the desire to be healed must be there. Let's check another account from the book of John chapter 5 and verse 6. Now, if you're, if you're studying healing, in, in, if you study Luke, you'll, be, you'll find sometimes very detailed description because Luke was a physician. He was a medical doctor. So he understood more about sickness than the other disciples. So you can find sometimes more details in the book of Luke. John chapter 5 and verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there, the man with, uh, that was sick for 38 years, and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Normal, straightforward answer. The sick man answered, sir, I have no man. To put me in the pool when the water is dead. Was that the question they asked? No. The question was, do you want to be made well? But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus answered, to him, answered him, rise, take up your bed and walk. So there must be a desire for you to be healed. Number two, you must believe that God is able to heal you. Matthew chapter 8 verse 10. Matthew chapter 8 Verse 10. This was talking about the centurion. And the centurion said, I say to one, go. And he goes, I say to another, come. And he comes. So the centurion understood authority. And he believed that Jesus could heal the child. It's important for us to know that there are cases that are medically impossible, but there are no impossibilities with God. You must believe that. I mean, when I mean you believe it, it's not saying. Um, uh, yes, no, 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 no. I mean, even we as ministers, we've got, we've got, sometimes we go through issues. I remember most recent one was the back stuff I had. I mean, it was terrible. I couldn't lie on one side of my body. You know, I couldn't, it was terrible pains, terrible pains. I couldn't sit for long. I just stayed in the Word. What I just did, I got out all my healing tips. Healing School by Gloria Copeland. I'll play the videos. Stay on faith, stay in faith, stay in faith. After a while, maybe two, three months, couldn't find the pain again. It's completely whole. You know, and I already was thinking of scheduling an appointment just to see what's wrong and all that. So, I, what I'm teaching is what has to be practiced. You must believe that God can heal you. And that's important. You must believe that God can heal you. Now, Luke chapter 17 verse 19 Luke 17 verse 19 if you, if you want to be healed You must believe that God can heal you Luke 17 verse 19 
Luke 17 verse 19. Thank you, Father. And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith in God connects you to the healing power of God. Your faith in God connects you to the healing power of God. And that's why some of the it sometimes it's difficult for medical um, people who know medical science to actually believe in divine healing because they know so much. Like they know, for instance, if you say I have fever, they know oh it's this and this and this. You don't know anything, okay? You don't know anything, so you know you can just believe. See, let me tell you something. Sometimes your knowledge fights your faith. Your knowledge, your awareness of certain things fights your faith. That's why there are certain things I don't watch, there are certain things I don't read, not because I don't want to, but I don't just read them. Because that knowledge is going to... You, you, sometimes you get a knowledge for five minutes, it takes you 50 years to take that thing out of your mind. And that's why it's not good to listen to gossip about people, because once you have a bad impression of someone, it's going to take a lot of faith for you to start walking in love towards them. Okay? So your faith in God activate that process, that healing process. I remember when the Lord started, when I started walking gradually in the healing ministry, and I'll, I'll talk about that as we continue, the, the differences of the healing ministries, but it was easier for me to pray for people with, with internal sicknesses, and they got their healing than external sicknesses. So for instance, if someone would come to me and say, um, I've got a breathing problem, it was easy for me to activate my faith. You know why? I couldn't see it. But now if I see um, someone crippled, <laughs> then now we want to talk about... Now you're going to feel like, oh, no, I believe the pastor can heal the person. Now the thing is, I'm going to look at the chair. I'm going to look at the legs. All the legs are mangled. And then what's going to happen? Right now, I mean, how many of us believe that God can heal? We all believe God can heal, right? Okay. We all believe God can heal? Now, if they bring in someone here who could not walk, that's when I really know what you believe. Because then what's going to happen? What's going to happen is that you're going to have, you're not still going to talk, right? I believe it's not God's time. It's not that it's not God's time. Your faith, something is happening right now. Because your senses are not activated. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Because now you can see. And as you can see, the more the issue, the more your doubt is rising. I'm going somewhere. Please pay attention. Pay attention. That's why it's easy for you to pray on somebody. Oh, I have headache. Ah, let's believe. Let's believe. Let's believe. God can heal you. Jesus' name. Let his headache go. And after you prayed, I was healed. I have cancer. Ah. Have you gone to the hospital? No, you are still here. Cancer, which one? Ovarian cancer, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was this lady, faith, in your mind. Because for you, cancer will need more power. 
And that's where the problem is. God doesn't need more power. All the power, the same power that takes out headache is what takes out cancer, is what takes out HIV, is what takes the cripple out of the sickbed. It's your faith in that power. That's why you need to stay on the word so that when you see that sickness, the first thing is not fear that comes into your heart. Faith is activated. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's very important. And that's why you see sometimes in the healing ministry, people spend a lot of time to worship. It's not as if worship activates the power of God. It's just that worship quenches their doubts. And what I'm teaching you now is very important. Worship quenches their doubts. It's not as if, um, personally when I minister to sick people, I don't need a song. To, it doesn't do anything. Say, let's, worship, let's set the atmosphere. No. It's the blood that brings the power to heal. It's not the atmosphere. It has nothing. So, how many times will Jesus they bring somebody um, for Jesus to hear? Jesus say, uh, Peter, raise that song, raise that song. Hallelujah. Peter, sing. You know, Jesus didn't do that. Because it had nothing to do with the song. It has everything to do with the blood of Jesus. And the price for every healing has been paid. The issue is our faith in his word. You can heal the sick. It's not for pastors. You can see dead people raised from the dead. But you know the reason? You don't spend your time meditating on that. And some of you, you have even thrown away your healing ministry because you now have a prophet that you have his picture on your chest, at the back of your car, your tray, everywhere. You have delegated your spiritual responsibility. If you are not seeing the sick healed with your own hands, you are walking below your own potential. Not, ah, in this our ministry, in this our ministry, once you come and pastor prays for you, ah, the problem will go. It shows that the ministry is not growing. Don't worry. It shows that the ministry is not growing. You know why? If the ministry is growing, every one of you sitting listening to me tonight, you should be able to have your own healing testimonies. I prayed for this person at the workplace and he got it. That's when we can begin to take testimonies in church. When you go out there and heal the sick. It's not like, oh, you know, uh, I'm sick. Ah, let me take you to my pastor. Let me take you to my pastor. It shows that you are immature. In that kind of place, if it's, you know, we're adults, those kind of places, when you bring the person to church, they should first tell you to need that, raise your hand and close your eye first. Then when they finish ministering to the person, they take you through foundation school again. Because what it just shows is that you're not paying attention. And you're not growing. Are you following what I'm saying? So, every one of us, what I'm teaching, that's why I'm t- t- taking you through this healing um, class gradually. I'm not just coming to say God is going to heal you. No, I'm not saying God is going to heal you. What I'm telling you is that God wants to use you to heal the sick. No, you won't say amen. But if I've said tomorrow you will have open door, you'd have said because all your own is how to get money. That's a forget. People can die. Let me just hammer. If if I have money, I will not be sick. No, 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 no. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> if they forget, Pastor, let that contract just go through. If I have said that now, you'd have said a loud amen. God is depending on you. There are many people who have died. If you had matured, they would have been alive. There are many people who have sicknesses in their bodies. If you grow up, they will be healed. There are many people battling with sicknesses. Praise the name of the Lord. God is counting on you. 
Let me tell you, some of the first people I prayed for, they grew worse after I prayed for them. But it didn't stop me. I kept praying. And I've seen some miracles in my life. There are some miracles that I got surprised. You know, sometimes you pray for people, even you, you don't have faith. Just say, Father, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> then I ask that this person be healed. And then you don't have faith. In fact, you forget. And then the person sends you a text, say, Pastor, after you prayed, I got healed. You now get excited. And I send back, so I told you, believe his word. When you didn't even believe. Some of the greatest miracles I have witnessed in my life are times when I didn't even have enough faith that the people could be healed. Do you know what happened at that point? Those times, I totally relied on the grace of God. But you know the ones you prepare, you arm yourself. Like, ah, we are going to raise this person from the dead. Where is the bottle of anointing oil? Let me have one. Where is the picture of the man of God? Let me have one. Where is mantle? Let me have one. Miracle sorts. You arm yourself, you go there and the people die. You know why? And that's why sometimes say, let's pray for the sick. I have not fasted. I'm going to teach you something. It's very strange. But even people sometimes who don't believe in God, but use his name, can heal the sick. That's why healing the sick is never a proof that someone knows God. He says, in my name, you cast out devils. In my name. And Peter tells us clearly. He says, this man was not healed by our own holiness. He says, but faith in his name. That's why someone can be sinning and still heal the sick. You can be in sin. You can just finish sleeping with a woman, come to the pulpit, raise a cripple from the dead. Well, nothing. You know what? Because the healing is God's compassion on both the sinner and the unsaved. It's just the mercy of God. It's just the mercy of God. So that's why we can never attest who a man of God is by miracles. It all Jesus gave us the test by their fruits we shall know them. And what are those fruits? Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Is the man kind? Is he gentle? Is he patient? Is he long suffering? Is he endure? Does he endure? Or is he, is he endurance? <laughs> you understand that? That's our test. So, how much faith do I need to be able to heal the sick? Just the faith you have in you now is enough. What you now need to have is faith in His name. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so on Sunday we're going to study how Jesus healed and the process of healing. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.